Curiosity is not a sin, Harry, but you should exercise caution. He's a time strand. You're fraternizing with the enemy. There's the, um, the Cruciatus curse. We'll celebrate a boy who is kind and honest and brave and true right to the very end. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hogwarts, a podcast. We are doing chapter two of Goblet of Fire, the scar. Who's scar? I don't know who's. I, I don't know who possibly has a scar to talk about. No, we haven't t- talked about scars like at all. I uh, will try my best to hold Elizabeth back from her scar rant, but we'll see if I'm successful. <laughs> it's still gonna come out. By the way, Elizabeth is here. Hi, uh, Elizabeth is here. Uh, <laughs> doing the episode with me. And look, I'm just gonna start right off the bat with my hot. Is it the fact that this is a, a very fluffy chapter full of nothingness? This is. <laughs> You're nicer than me. (laughs) This chapter, here's my hot take, is the single worst (laughs) chapter in all seven books. In all seven? This is the worst chapter. I don't know about all seven. This is the worst chapter in the entire series. I don't know about all seven, but it is very, very thin. There's nothing here. (laughs) There's nothing in this chapter. Here's my brief rundown of the chapter, okay? Yeah, okay, we'll do that. Harry has a a very vivid, quote-unquote, dream. Right. Okay? Then just paragraphs upon paragraphs of telling us who Harry Potter is, why he's special, the fact that he's a wizard, what's a wizard, like, all of this stuff. Well, to be fair, they don't do nearly as much as they did in the This is the fourth... Book Elizabeth. It's the a, fourth. It's, but it's the shortest so far of like, oh, I was at Hogwarts because I'm a wizard. I understand it's ten chapter or ten pages. I yeah. understand it's ten pages. We cut the whole thing. You don't need any of these ten pages. It's a long book. It's seven hundred something pages. You don't if need anything, these ten. All I do is I, I picture Harry just walking around the room, being like, oh yeah, I've been through pain. I lost my bones in my right arm. Thanks, Lockhart. And there's my magic stuff, and Hedwig's not in the room. Okay, and one I just, paragraph. I just wish I could talk to some wizard. Who could I talk to? You know, and then it's the... the... Here's the only couple of redeeming parts. <laughs> uh, the, the idea of the vivid dream. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, 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 the one thing I really took from this as being special was... Him going along like, oh, I can't tell the Weasleys. I definitely can't tell the Dursleys. Right. I kind of wish I had a parent right now. Which who would, I... Okay, yeah, continue. Who would just listen to me and not judge me on any level for it. That, I think, is the emotional heartbeat, if you can call it, of this chapter that you kind of pull from and be like, okay, that's a real feeling and thought. Which, I mean, he says he thinks of serious, which I do have a little slight qualm about this okay i'm perfectly fine with him writing to his godfather that makes sense but he said he wishes he could have someone like a parent yes an adult wizard whose advice he would ask without feeling stupid someone who cared about him who had had experience with dark magic why didn't he think of lupin you know lupin taught defense against the dark 
arts. Like, he knows dark magic, someone who cared about him. We know he has cared about him, like, very deeply. He has asked him advice before without ever feeling stupid. He knew Lupin for, like, almost an entire year. He's only known Sirius for two months. It's the idea of family. I know, but still, it makes me mad. Lupin's I, out there. Talk to him. I know, but if if Lupin is one, why, why wouldn't, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Weasley be another? Like, Mr. Weasley has helped him through some stuff, too. Yeah, but he doesn't have that experience with dark magic. He works for the Ministry of Magic. Yeah, but he's not the dark magic area. I get it. It's a misuse of muggle stuff. <laughs> the idea is... That there's something inherent about family that's non-judgmental. Yeah. I, I, I mean, know. I know, like, when I need advice in my life, mm -hmm. there are two people that I call and I talk to mm -hmm. before anybody else. Like, if there's something monumental in my life where I'm like, I don't know where to go here, mm -hmm. help me. It's my mom and dad are the right. first two people. And right. I love my friends. Right. And I will then next go to my friends. Right. But the first two people are always my mom and dad because I know they have my interests at heart above all else, always. No, and, I and they're never going to judge me. I fully agree with you about Sirius. I just also know, like, from teacher's perspective, I've had kids come to me before a lot of times with a lot of, like, sometimes very traumatic stuff, and they, they come sure, for same. advice, and they trust with advice. Sure. So to me, I'm like, Harry, you have trusted this man for a full year you know he has your back he know you know he has love for you because he had love for your parents he has the experience like you could very easily send two letters here but i know he just doesn't want to feel stupid he doesn't want to look stupid and that's such a teenage thing right now yeah and that's why again it just goes back to the safety net of family mm -hmm. i get it i've i've been in those situations like i just said and I understand where Harry's coming from. Um, I also understand where you're coming from. I mean, <laughs> but but again, that's yeah, that's a logical thing. I just I mean, feel it, bad it for is, Lupin knowing he's out there in his little self just, by himself, no letters from Harry. If it's just a pure advice thing, uh -huh. sure, go to Lupin, go to Mister Weasley, uh, go to some of those other adults in your life that you trust. He trusts them. He mm -hmm. says that I mm -hmm. I trust them all. But this is a more personal yeah, he just kind of thing. He doesn't want to look stupid. Uh, yeah. Which is why he doesn't want to talk to Dumbledore. I mean, you would think... Same, yeah. You'd think by now he'd be like, okay, yeah, I should probably talk to Dumbledore because I've had so many one-on-one -on -one conversations with Dumbledore, but... Dear like at the end of every book, right, always. Dear professional <laughs> Professor Dumbledore, sorry to bother you, but my scar hurt this morning. Here's sincerely Harry Potter. Like, I love how he thinks it's so stupid, but he's, it's information Dumbledore well, if needs. You say it and write it like that, yes, it is <laughs> <laughs> There's a better way to bring up this conversation. Yep. Uh, which he does with Sirius. Like, yeah. hey, uh, I'm having this problem. I mean, he beats around the bush a little bit. He does. and But we all know Harry as well that he picks his moments to divulge all of his secrets. Yeah. And he picks a convenient time for him or for the plot or for whatever. <laughs> That's fine. AKA but... he waits until the last minute to be like, oh, this thing that I heard like chapters ago. Yeah, like three months I ago. I probably should have told more people. Like, Yeah. What a concept. Uh, no, but it is it is an interesting moment. That's essentially, obviously, what I think is the only interesting moment in this entire... The redeeming it, factor. Because even the letter he sends to Sirius, as you just said, is pretty plainly stated. The... And... Uh, I, I will say the letter, though, it does have 
little tidbits in it that make me laugh. Like, he was talking about, okay, well, we, like, the bird, right? The bird was enormous. I could hardly get through my window. Which he said it was, like, tropical birds. My picture was serious, like, uh, a nice little sandy beach, which is also fun. And he also had the little image of Dumbledore being on a beach somewhere. That was beaching. Which Always was a, fun a very thing. fun yeah. idea. Um, I have different thoughts about what Dumbledore does during the vacation time, but... That's a fun image. But I also... Your favorite video game of all time? I also... Mega really, Mutilation Part 3? No, not even that. I think it's really funny that he shares news about the Dursleys. Like, specifically Dudley's diet. He said this is only... He's only gotten two letters from Sirius so far. Which would indicate... I don't know how many letters Harry has sent him. But the fact that he took time to write in letters about Dudley Dursley's diet... It just cracks me up. Like, like he's clearly telling Sirius about the abuse he's getting from the Dursleys over the summer. And if I were Sirius, I'd be like, you can't treat my godson this way. I think the only thing keeping him from, like, showing up on their doorstep is the fact that he's still wanted for murder. And, like, probably Dumbledore was like, you can't do that. I have my reasons. Let him go there over the summer. I have a comment. It's not really an important comment, but it's more of a spoilery comment. So. Okay. But, um... I just find it funny that he's like, yep, my cousin. My stupid cousin and his stupid diet. <laughs> I do love the idea of him, the serious, sending tropical birds mm -hmm. as the, the form of communication. Like owls. Yeah, because uh, this is going to be a spoiler for, I guess, the secrets of Dumbledore and those Fantastic Beasts movies. Oh, yeah. But you see glimpses of other wizarding cultures around the world, different countries. And, like, what they use. And what they use yeah. and what they do and the twist on conventional Harry Potter, quote-unquote, yeah. methods of doing things. Like the Ministry of Magic, respectively, and such and such. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, what part of the world is he in that the convenient form of communication is tropical birds? Is he in South America? Is he in Africa? Like, what part of the world is he in? And that's awesome. And I just and what birds that they were so enormous they could hardly get through his window. Mm -hmm. I imagine, I imagine like just large parrots and parakeets. And, like, not parakeets, but, like, large parrots, macaws. Like a toucan. <laughs> Toucans, sure. Absolutely. But I'm a geography nut, so I'm thinking about, like, <laughs> I spent most of this chapter gliding through the Harry is a special boy part and <laughs> focusing on where in the world is Sirius Black. Meanwhile, I'm, like, just loving the fact that Hedrig is just like, ugh, these flashy foreigners, get out of my cage. I suppose you can have some of my water and, and owl food, but go away. I think Anna and I have talked about it. I'm not sure if it was on the podcast or if it was off recording, but we've talked. Hedwig is sassy. Hedwig is so sassy. Which, to be fair, Harry is also sassy. They were a very good match. They're a perfect match. <laughs> a very they sassy were, match. They were made to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, that's sadly essentially this chapter. There's not much here. The vivid dream and the fact his scar hurt. Yes. That is the real crux of this chapter. That, that as is... As thin as it is. I feel like... Uh, I mean, honestly, if we're taking our little side things that we picked up uh, away... Mm -hmm. Like, that, this is the point. The, and here's the other problem that I have with the entire chapter. The real point of this to take away is like the first page and then the rest of the nine pages you can pretty much toss out if you wanted to 
But yes, so well, Harry... just to reference like how weird it is, he hasn't felt his scar hurt since his first year when Voldemort was on the back of Quirrell's head. You know? And, like, present, like, yeah. in his life, like, right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, I mean, he naturally does look out the window. He's like, is he is he out there? Is it out in the Muggle Wars? That's weird. Nope. Don't see him. Is your interpretation of him interpreting this dream that he is looking at it from the perspective of Frank or from the perspective of, like, a fourth person in the room? Because this, for the for the record, we should say... This dream that he had, this vivid dream, is chapter one. Right. Like, he literally woke up and is describing chapter one to us from his right. point of view. And it is interesting because it's like, it starts to fade the way a dream would, even though we know, like, that was happening. That was a, a thing he wasn't supposed to necessarily witness. And how he witnessed it is a whole different, you know, side So how tangent. do you think he witnessed it? Do you think he witnesses well, it as Frank or as a fourth individual? Like... He says, like, he watched the old man fall to the ground. Things were getting confusing. He had heard Voldemort and, and Wormtail talking. He couldn't remember who they said they had already killed, which is very convenient that he forgot that name. But he could remember them talking about wanting to kill him. So I'm I'm seeing as like he is like a fourth person in the room who's like almost like watching a movie, gotcha. kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But which I have a question about in the spoilers. Okay. <laughs> we'll get to the spoilers. You have given me this opening since we were talking about the scar. Oh, Guess what? Man. Scar brands. Okay. I don't know about everyone else, but this is one of the first things I noticed about the movies that just really irked me. It just got under my skin. The same way a scar might get under your skin. Why is his scar not the center of his forehead in the stupid movies? Why is it off center? I don't understand it. If you want to kill someone the way Voldemort wanted to kill Harry, you would think he would put his wand right up against the middle of his forehead because that's where, like, a person with a gun would point it, right, if it was in the Muggle world. So why would he go slightly off-center? It makes no sense. And I don't understand why they wouldn't take the little effort to put it in the center the way the illustrations have it very, very clearly on page 16 in the American version. It makes me mad. Purely, I don't think they cared one way or the other. Well, they should have because it makes fans angry. It makes this particular fan <laughs> very angry. Very true. Uh, whereas I, that's not a detail that I particularly have a great it level just, of stock in. It just seems so. like a tiny detail that it would be so easy and so easy to get right, but they put it off center. It makes no sense. Yeah, I'm not as livid about it as you are, but <laughs> to each their own. Again, I'm more livid at the fact that I had to read 10 pages of essentially nothing <laughs> to do this episode. <laughs> That's why I'm more disgruntled. So let us know if you think this is the worst <laughs> chapter in the series. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do a poll? We should maybe do a poll. Is this the worst? If we do a poll, if this is the worst chapter, I'm also going to put up a poll about the scar. We'll see how many people agree with me that it was Fair a enough, stupid I life choice to put it in the middle of his face. That's where it should be, not off-center. Be on the lookout for our Twitter and our <laughs> polls on our Dan and Elizabeth rants for Chapter 2. I will say, okay, one other tiny little thing, unrelated. Just the one other tiny little tidbit we can get from this chapter. 
which we got a taste of at the end of um of book three. But the fact that the Dursleys now let him have his stuff in his room, it's not all locked away. And it's because the fear of Sirius that if they overgo the line of abuse that they've had in the past, he can write to Sirius and he'll come in and, you know, turn them all to bats. It's the payoff of the threat that he gave at the end of Prisoner of Azkaban. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, though, you're right. There's not that. Oh, There's that nothing to this chapter. <laughs> I literally like read the first page and about his dream and the scar. Uh-huh. I found myself just getting this glaze while reading. Oh. And I'm just like, I don't. I know that Harry is a special individual. I don't need to read this <laughs> again. Like we can cut this out. I I know like the purpose of having it. I understand you want to remind people, especially since it's been years since the third book had come out. But you gotta trust that your fans are rereading the books like crazy, waiting for the next one. Like I, how many times during this podcast <laughs> have any of us, any of us that's been on, said, "Wow, I loved rereading this chapter because I didn't know this <laughs> detail or this detail or this detail." All of us have said that at one point or another. I mean, somehow in between books, we forgot the fact that he's a wizard. (laughs) (laughs) This chapter is one that I never have to read again. There's (laughs) nothing in it that I'm really like, whoa, mind-blowing, which is the first time I've ever said that. Other than the fact that the scar is in the middle of his forehead. (laughs) Which isn't even reading the chapter that's the (laughs) image of the the picture. (laughs) Anyway, I digress. We will move on to the spoilers. Uh, we're going to glean a couple of things to talk about in the spoilers. Also, I have a deep dive that will answer one of Elizabeth's questions Ooh. from a previous podcast. So stick with us if you want to hear a little deep dive, and uh, we'll be right back. Kill the stag! All right, we are back with the spoiler section of Chapter 2, The Scar. Spoiler alert, I still think the scar should be in the middle of his forehead. Spoiler alert, I still think this chapter's awful. So we're going... <laughs> There are a couple of things that we want to discuss, though. So, uh, you brought up that you thought it was funny that Harry was kind of complaining about the Dursleys this mm-hmm. entire time in his letters to Sirius, however many he wrote. Mm-hmm. And my only thought to that was, do you think Sirius would never say this? I don't think Sirius would ever say this in a letter back, but him reading these letters has got to be like, you don't even know what a messed up family is. Because <laughs> the family that I grew up with was pretty jacked up, which we'll find out about in the next book. Very true. But the blacks are... Are a special kind of breed. Yeah, they're special. So Also, I, like, I mean, not necessarily physically abusive, but emotionally, you could certainly argue. Emotionally and verbally, I very, would imagine, for toxic, sure. Because yeah. we see that just the portrait in the hallway... <laughs> That's almost constantly covered because it does nothing but shriek and yell. Yeah, his mom's fun. Like, if I was serious, I'd just be like, man, you don't even know what I had to put up with. Being the only Gryffindor in a proud, pure-blood Slytherin family. See, I, for me, I could see Sirius reading it and being like, I wish I could take you into my house. Oh, sure, You yeah, know, like yeah, that, yeah. That, that half hour that we had. Sure. And I'm sure that's also in part why Harry is... I mean, Harry always complains about the Dursleys, but he had that little glimmer of hope. And now it's like, nope. And now here's my summer. I don't know if he would even qualify it as a glimmer. Like, it was even shorter than a glimmer. It was a, a, like a little flick. (laughs) A flick of hope. And then it was extinguished immediately. But I could just see him, like, you know, sitting in his room just thinking, like, oh, if only I were in a different house than the Dursleys. 
Uh, the second spoiler that we wanted to talk about was this is the first time that Harry and Voldemort share uh, an experience, I guess is yeah. how you would call it. Which is a very, very deep connection. Yeah. And, and like plot point. Like, I mean, we've talked before about J.K. Rowling, like tossing in little tidbits of stuff way before it actually becomes important. This is an important thing that we see more and more and more. It's the connection between the scar of, like, you know, Harry being a Horcrux and, and being able to see into Voldemort's mind and and being able to see his plans before he should be aware of them. Here's my question. Mm -hmm. And I get this is book four, and I know she had a lot of details planned out. Mm-hmm. I don't know that she had every specific detail planned yeah, out, like, not. to the minute level. Yeah. But if they're sharing the same mind and the same experience, shouldn't Harry be experiencing this dream from the perspective of Okay, Goldie? so when you said that earlier, that I was thinking about that. Like, in book five, we know when Nagini attacks Arthur, He's he Nagini. said he is Nagini. Mm -hmm. And there was another dream I thought he said where he was from the perspective. I think it was, he was Voldemort when Voldemort killed somebody. I can't remember exactly which. Uh, was it? Uh, uh, was it Chas Chastity Charity? The was it Grindelwald? No, I, I'm talking or about Greg Orvich. It was Greg Orvich. No, not that. Not that one. When he, I think it was at Malfoy Manor. When the Muggle study professor is floating around and... Voldemort, oh, Charity Burbage? Yeah, I think that's the one where he was like, in my dream, I was... Well, I could be completely wrong, but I know at least one point he's like, I was... The Voldemort. bottom line is, he usually takes first-person view. Right. In this case, it he was can't. not first-person, which was weird. And I'm wondering if that's just because he doesn't have a body yet. Like a real human body. Maybe, but he's clearly conscious. Yeah. But maybe he can't inhabit this so fractured. Ah, it's just a weird soul? thing. I'm like, if they're sharing the same mind, shouldn't they be locked in first person? Shouldn't he be seeing the fire, <laughs> the fire, or Frank? Like, I, I, I don't know. It just caught me as like, it's a weird detail that maybe she changes later, later on. on. The books. Maybe as like the strength between their connection gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But it's just a weird detail, and we're like, I don't know if that really lines up with how it probably should be, but yeah, whatever. The only other little spoiler thing that I was thinking about with, you know, when Harry is imagining Dumbledore on a little beach, just sipping Mai Tais and whatever, like, I feel like Dumbledore is using his summertime to be researching Tom Riddle. I think he's starting to, to gather up the different memories and stuff that we see later on. And maybe it's not necessarily as kicked into high gear as it is in book six, six when he's just like, you know, disappearing for days on end. But I could see it as being like a Gandalf kind of thing of like, I'm slowly, slowly doing some research on the ring slash Tom Riddle slash Horcruxes. Yeah, he's probably doing some of that for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. He uses his time wisely. Teachers always prepare over the summer. <laughs> Speaking of, I'm glad you, you said that. Because in the last episode of Prisoner of Azkaban, uh -huh. we mentioned you a couple of times. I heard that. I can't remember what I was mentioned for, but I remember hearing little, my yeah, name. <laughs> it was a little while ago now, but uh, we wanted your teacher expertise on two things. Which were those? 
which was Hermione got like over 300% on her Muggle oh, Studies yeah, yeah, final. Yeah, 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 yeah. How exactly does that work? Because at some point, I think as you as a teacher would just be like, forget it, you got 100%. <laughs> like, I'm not, like, whatever. I'm done grading this. It makes me wonder if, like, if the teach the professor of Muggle Studies just assumed that it's such a hard topic for wizards that she put that much extra credit on the exam that Hermione, like, was able to ace very easily. I'm thinking it's literally teach the teacher something, like, that many times over. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't so know. Because if you weren't, like, reading her uh, uh, assumed, like, scroll upon scroll <laughs> upon scroll. Right. <laughs> and you were just like, I know all this, you silly child. Just get your 100% and go about your business. But if you're reading this thing and going like, oh, shoot, I actually didn't know that. Okay, I'll give you extra points for that or, you know, whatever have you. I tend to, like, I'll sometimes give kids extra points if I can tell they're putting extra effort into stuff. Like, I mean, if I make a project and everyone else is kind of just, like, you know, slapping stuff on the page. And then there's that kid who, like, creates art out of their stuff like like they cared about it and you can tell then yeah i'll give them the 300 percent not 300 percent worse so that's why i'm thinking like they just assume that because they're wizards this is a really tough topic for them so maybe there's so much extra credit to kind of make up for failing grades that it's just like she got every single extra credit point right but it's a that has to be a ridiculous amount of extra credit i would not put that much extra credit on my test our other question was <laughs> So, Hermione, in Prisoner of Azkaban, mm -hmm. for all intents and purposes, has a special accommodation. She has an IEP, kind of. Yes. Yes. So. Or 504, whatever. It's, yeah, it's an accommodation. She has a special accommodation that seemingly only Albus and Minerva seem to know about. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but if a student has a special accommodation... Mm -hmm. Doesn't usually every teacher that that student has is at least aware of it, even if it doesn't necessarily directly apply to their subject? Yes. So yes. why wouldn't Flitwick or Snape or any of them know? Like, especially Flitwick, who she missed his, his class lesson. for. Yeah, I, I do remember you guys talking about that now that you bring it back up. And yeah, uh, IEPs, Individualized Education Plans, essentially are... You know, things teachers are made aware of, accommodations you need to make for a student. Um, so the simplest example would be like, okay, if a kid has poor eyesight, they have to be sitting closer to the board so that they can see that. You give them that, like, you know, specialized seating kind of a thing. Everyone is made aware of that. Or if there's medical issues or whatever the case may be, if they need more time on tests and tests read to them, whatever. I know for my profession, like, if I know a kid has crutches or something like that, mm -hmm. I send out a message to all of the teachers being like... Let them hey. leave early? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so they don't get trampled in the hallway. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I, I would think if it's, hey, Hermione Granger has a time turner, this is to help her with her schedule... Maybe lighten her workload or her right. homework load or something. Give her a little help. Right. Or expect if, if if you see her twice for some reason, just know it's not a dark magic thing. It's just her messing up a time turner on accident. 
I would think that they would know about those things. Like that that should be a My point is the only thing I could I could see is maybe why not would be that time turners seem to have such like mysteries surrounding them. I mean they come from the Department of Mysteries. Right. So I would think that it's a it's such a hush hush type thing that not everyone gets to be privileged to the information. But I agreed with you guys like that. They should it know. seems fishy. They Snape should, should have really known know. about it, but the problem is, if Snape knows about it, he can connect those dots pretty easily and be right. like, "Wait a minute, that's right. weird." Unless he's just so angry that he's not thinking about the time turner. But it's Snape smart. He's Snape's smart enough it that it ain't going to take him a whole lot of time to figure that one out. Anyway, <laughs> um, so you had some some of my previous questions answered. To fill this episode out because this chapter was so lackluster, I have a uh, a little, deep dive. A little deep dive here that answers uh, one of Elizabeth's questions from earlier in the podcast, where she questioned how many students exactly are in the school and how many are in each class and such. Uh, the answer lies uh, from the Wizarding World, because that's where all of this information usually exists, huh? And JK wrote something called the Original 40. Okay. Okay? It's essentially a list of names of students with their house. Okay. Okay? And... Um, Quite honestly, uh, having looked at this list, which I will name all, <laughs> however many names are actually on here, because it's not exactly 40 exactly, but, um, and I can pick about eight, seven, eight, maybe even nine that go to a house, and then there's some that I are completely unaccounted for. But here, okay. here here's the, the 40, uh, and this is in order from her list. You have, uh, well, it's alphabetical, I guess, Hannah Abbott, mm -hmm. obviously Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. Susan Bones. Hufflepuff. Correct. Trevor Boot. Ravenclaw. Correct. Woo. Uh, Mandy Brocklehurst. Who, I remember you guys bringing up that name and being like, who the heck is Mandy? The one time she was mentioned, but she is. For, for reference, all of these, uh, or I should say most of these names, are in her headcanon. Right. So if she's writing a scene, those students are present in that scene. They're just not explicitly mentioned. Okay. So Mandy Brocklehurst is like fully on in all of this stuff that we're reading. And what was our house again? Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw, okay. So you have Lavender Brown. Gryffindor. Yeah. Millicent Bolstrode. Slytherin. Michael Corner. Uh, wait, okay. I thought Michael Corner was in a different year. Nope, Michael Corner is a Ravenclaw. But I thought he this was... This is all Harry's year. This is all Harry's He's year. He's in Harry's year? I thought he was in Ginny's year. So this is her original 40 from Harry's year. Weird, okay. So Michael Corner, Ravenclaw. Here's one that you don't know, because hmm. um, I don't know. Uh, he's a Ravenclaw. Stephen Cornfoot. <laughs> Great name. Oh, sorry, Mr. Cornfoot. I don't mean to laugh at your last name, but no. that's funny. Uh, so Stephen Cornfoot, that's the first name on here that is just like lit. <laughs> uh, Vincent Crab. Slytherin. Slytherin. Here's another one. Uh, Slytherin. Tracy Davis. Tracy Davis. Slytherin from Harry's Eater that we don't hear about, so she was probably nice. Or he? I'm not even sure if that's a... Uh, I guess it depends on... Uh, yeah. Yeah, it could be either way. Ravenclaw, Kevin Entwistle. Kevin. There's a Kevin wizard. Yeah. <laughs> Side note, we have a friend named Kevin who's fantastic and hilarious, and it makes me happy that there's a Kevin wizard. Moving on. Uh... <laughs> Justin Finch Fleshley, Hufflepuff. Yeah. Seamus Finnegan, Gryffindor. Um, 
This name is mentioned, though br- uh, briefly, only a couple of times, I think. Uh, Anthony Goldstein. Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. Gregory Goyle. Slytherin. Hermione Granger. Oh, shoot. What house is she in? I don't know. I can't tell. <laughs> uh, now, here's a run of names that we don't get. Okay. Uh, Queenie Greengrass. Now, if you remember all the way back to my uh, trivia that I gave to Anna, like in, I think it was chapter four of Sorcerer's Stone, uh-huh. Greengrass is actually a pure blood family. I mean, it gives me the vibes of pure blood for some reason. Greengrass is a pure blood family. Also, um, kind of gives me Hobbit vibes, to be honest. <laughs> but that's a whole different. Queenie, fandom, obviously, so. she used for a different character in the in the Fantastic Beasts series, right? So she still used that one. Uh, Wayne Hopkins. <laughs> Wayne. Oh, what house is Wayne in? I don't know. They didn't say. Oh, poor Wayne. I, I could. He's houseless. Uh, then I think <laughs> the, the Slytherin, like the Sorting Hat, they put it on his head, and they were just like. Silence. <laughs> well, like I said, I, I could place about seven to eight, maybe, of these names, uh-huh. and there's some I left uncounted for. Hmm. Uh, Megan Johns, I think is what that says. Johns. Um, don't know her. Sue Lee. Don't know her. Uh, then we got Neville Longbottom. Mm-hmm. Isabel McDougal. McDougal. Don't know that one. Ernest McMillan. Hufflepuff. Mm-hmm. Draco Malfoy. Slytherin. Roger Malone. Don't know that one. Now, here's an interesting one. The original name was Lily Moon. Okay. Who would that? Who did that turn out to be? Who did Lily Moon turn into? Is that Luna Lovegood? Yeah. Interesting. The reason why she changed the name to Luna Lovegood was because when she wrote Lily Moon, she hadn't figured out Harry's mother's name yet. Mm. And she didn't want to use Lily twice. She wanted to make Lily special. Mm-hmm. It's spelled the same way. L-I-L-Y. <clears throat> so, you have... Uh, moving on, you have Theodore Knott, which is Slytherin, the the uh, relative of the Death Eater. You have Pansy Parkinson, Slytherin. Uh, now this, you have the Patel twins. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was Madhari, Madhari Patel, and the other one is Mati Patel. Okay. Obviously, those names were changed. Right. So you get changes from what the end result was. So those two names are different. You have Sally Ann Perks. Uh, you have one Harry Potter. Hmm. Uh, you have Oliver Rivers. You have Sophie Roper. You have Sally Smith. You have, there's another one, uh, Gary Thomas. Hmm. Obviously became Dean Thomas. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's an example of switching some things around. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Lisa Turpin, Ronald Weasley, Blaze Zabini. And then a couple other names she threw out there that obviously changed. Hermione Puckle, Neville Puff, Neville Sidebottom. Sidebottom? Okay, that is just, that again, hobbits, like proud, but proud Well, Longbottom <laughs> is not much different. <laughs> I know, but Sidebottom? And then two Draco names, Draco Spongin and Draco Spinx. Okay, Spongin just reminds me of Spongebob. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's why she changed it. I don't know. But that's the original 40, so there are obviously some that have changed quite a bit. You know, what that does from, like make me think about, though, like, I know, like, you were just on the Restricted Sections podcast, and you guys brought up a conversation about um, the naming that J.K. Rowling uses sometimes and how some of it's very unfortunate for many reasons. Yes. 
some of the names in that it makes me wonder about like what nationality she was going for with that person or like well the problem with her naming people unfortunately is a problem because it's a she stereotype well, hard she for... clearly puts thought into these names yes so, so how that she ends up with those is, stereotypes is very, 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 very problematic. Yeah, it's a little, uh, a little questionable to yeah. say the least. So, but there's the original forty names that she had on her her notebook when she was sitting in the Elfin Cafe in Edinburgh, Scotland. So, hmm. um, some of the interesting ones. Uh, again, she changed a bunch of them. A lot of them I couldn't place into houses. She has them in the houses, but yeah. What have you? Obviously, some of these names never appear in the series. So yeah, that's interesting. But they're there, according to her, in her head canon. They are present for some of these events. You know, sometimes while I appreciate that she created the series, her head canon is just too much for me. Well, <laughs> and it needs to like. Meh. What do you think? Like Luna's reaction is to like Sirius Black. She's there. She's present. Yeah. She has thoughts and opinions on it. She's been reading the Quibbler. The I don't know when the Quibbler was published. <laughs> but... She's been reading the Quibbler and thinks that he's just the lead singer of whatever that band was. What, the Weird Sisters or something no, like that? No, it was a different band that they were like, oh, Sirius Black. I don't know. But that's an example of like, no, Luna's there. We just don't hear of her until right. book five. So, well, because anywho. they've been in their own little compartments. Luna's probably been off. Floating around. You'd think she would have popped up somewhere and been like, hey, that girl's a little, little awkward or weird or what right. have you. Anyway, <laughs> that's the original 40. But the bottom line is it's supposed to be 40. 40 per class is okay. the idea. So 10 per house, roughly. Yeah. And that's what the population is. Unless you're going to do like a Game of Thrones type of thing where you have so many characters, you literally need someone to keep track of it for you. It makes sense. The editor was like, mm. The editor yeah, or her were like, eh, maybe I want to switch this. And it's a lot to keep track of. It is a lot to keep track of. So, anywho, uh, with that, be that's pretty much it. Because, <laughs> again, not much to talk about here. So, we hope you've enjoyed <laughs> this lovely discussion on a chapter with not a whole lot to talk about. When I put up a poll, let me know what you think about the scar placement. <laughs> You can see the look Dan is giving me. <laughs> it is what it is. So, yes. But do uh, take a look at our Twitter and our Instagram. Uh, we're doing some pretty cool things on there. So keep track. Follow us. Uh, like, retweet, all of that good stuff. Um, by the way, I haven't plugged my own Instagram or Twitter. You can follow me at Daniel underscore Allen 44. Uh, I haven't done that in a long time. So... Um, feel free if you like some travel pictures check out my Instagram anyway <laughs> thanks for listening uh, we hope you like this episode come back for chapter 3 next week Woo! we'll see you then thanks thank you for listening to Hogwarts a podcast if you like what you've heard please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwarts a pod 